When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the main event, Mark's Podcast. We are here in October, finally, and I am your first host, Troy. And with me, as always, is our WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia. He is the doom number two to my doom number one. He is Greg. What's up, Greg? What's up? Number two is clearly Ron Simmons, so I call that. Sorry. Uh, I could. I didn't pay attention to who was who. I, just, I don't know either, but I'm just calling it because, you know, Butch Reed, uh, no thanks. It was funny. Hey, Butch Reed invented Netflix. He's <laughs> he's rolling in the dough right now, man. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. No, but, I didn't. Yeah, he's he created. Well, he started this little service back in the 90s where he just delivered films rented uh, through his service by bicycle, and then it, it evolved into what is now Netflix. And now he's he's rolling in the dough, and he's super over in Florida. So, so was Ron Simmons though. What's your point? <laughs> Yeah, that that seminal, or what was it, the seminal chop, whatever. Yeah, he he always had to mention that crap. But yeah, so we're back to uh, the Atlanta wrestling group here, uh, the original Atlanta wrestling group. The wrestling. <laughs> this was shortly before they morphed from NWA into WCW. This was the first and last NWA 
Halloween Havoc. And it was the first Halloween Havoc ever. So there was a lot of reasons to cover this event, plus the fact that I've never seen it before, and I'm all about firsts and lasts, and you and I always talk about that on this show. And I thought this was a good way to uh, uh, to start the Halloween Havoc era. I don't know. Not, a, not every match on this show was great or even good. But there's I there's uh, a couple of reasons to watch this, though. This is not going to be like a crap fest that we're just going to no. go yeah, whole I, hog on. Like, not like that UWF hog. show that we did. <laughs> yeah, no, there there was, I mean, it, this wasn't like a bad show all in all. I mean, I didn't, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. There uh, is uh, I, one moment in this, at the in the last match, that has nothing to do with wrestling, that for me alone is worth watching this. We'll get to that though, but okay. I yeah, just yeah, I can't wait to talk about this because I just I'm, I never saw it and I, I never I don't remember seeing it. And once I yeah. saw it last night when I watched this, I'm like, oh my god, that was so badass. So there, well, and again, there, we'll get to it. But yeah, there was something at the very end of the show. It took me a minute. I'm like, wait, is that? And like when I figured out what it was, I was like, yes, that's that's awesome. And they didn't edit it off the network. Uh, but we'll get into that. Either way. What we're talking about here is Halloween Havoc 1989. We're going to get into all of that right after the news and notes here. But before we get into the news and notes, I just want to take a moment to ask you all to follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at main event underscore marks. Also, we have a side Instagram that it's mostly Greg's doing. Uh, he, uh, but I send him some stuff here and there because we're both collectors. But if you follow is it at main event collector? Yep, main event collector, and it's all lowercase, no underscores. I was able to cool. snag that URL. I don't know how, but cool. Yeah, there you go. I mean, not at that it's like a big popular one, but like I don't know. I feel, I feel like anytime I try to grab one, it's already taken, and that wasn't. Yeah. That was like the first time ever in life I tried something on the internet for the first time and got it. So <laughs> yeah, so uh, check out at main event collector. We will pimp them every now and again on our Twitter and also our Facebook. If you go to facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod, we will uh, talk about the collector's page on there as well. That's if you're into uh, all things, not necessarily wrestling figures, because I, I mean, are you posting the uh, your other unique finds as well? I, I will, but like I just started, so it's all wrestling right now. But, okay. Yeah. But, we'll, but yeah, yeah. Will be. mostly yeah, we'll be. Uh, X-Men, Ninja Turtles. That's my other ones I collect. Cool. Yes, uh, so we'll get in. He'll he'll uh, get into updating all of it eventually. And it's uh, you know if if you're it's into all the, yeah if you're into all the figure talk here on the show or on the YouTube channel, you're gonna like it. Definitely go follow it. Like I said, at Main Event Collector, and we are at Main Event underscore Marks. So now that that is plugged, we will take our first break of the podcast and come back to you with all the news and notes from that time. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. This is for Bush Gardens Williamsburg. Spot titled BGW slash 21 slash census slash SN slash July 4th slash save up to 40% slash FC slash tickets slash radio. It's a 30 second spot and the code is VBGW 021039R. 
Nothing ignites your senses like the European adventures and world-class thrills of Busch Gardens Williamsburg. Hear the gravity-defying drops and speed of our record-breaking coasters. See the world's most beautiful theme park as you stroll through our elegantly themed villages. And treat all your senses to the live concerts, nightly fireworks and coasters in the dark at summer nights, June 25th to July 29th. Save up to 40% on tickets and fun cards. Hurry, offer in soon. Restrictions apply. Now, back to our program. We are back, and it is time for your favorite part of the show and mine. It is all the news and notes from the time of this event. And this is, we've already covered some stuff from 1989 in the past. We've done, I think this is our fourth or fifth show from the year 1989. Let's also uh, tell them, too, uh, we've decided to kind of take a hiatus from this year after this event. Yeah, I mean, this goes to show you how big and historic this is. And the reason we did so many 1989 shows already was because uh, in June, I believe it was, we did the entire trilogy of Flare and Steamboat, and that all took place in 1989, so we covered all three events. And then, Yeah, so uh, to be fair, we yeah. didn't select like this event from 89, we selected the match and decided to do the event. Right. Yeah, so because we wanted to cover the whole thing and kind of give context and all that stuff. So, But this is our last for quite a while. I was looking ahead in the schedule. I don't see any 1989 anytime soon, and I've got us booked out until, like, next spring. <laughs> I mean, obviously... EJ is not a procrastinator, change. folks. No, uh, at least not with this stuff. <laughs> it's card subject to change. I'll, I'll be honest, admit, when you show me that list, I'm like, holy crap, how far out is this? I think you had it to pass WrestleMania 37, at least. Yeah. I think I I think I got it booked until May, so there's. Well, I like well, that actually. You know, yeah. not to get off topic. I like it because when I'm bored, I can fire up one, get the notes done. So yeah, although and, I get to do that, but that's my plan. Right, <laughs> and it's it's all fluid, but we'll get into it. But no, 1989 for a while. This is the last one, but there is some big stuff still going on, going on here in October of '89. Also at the tail end of '89, too. Let's keep that in mind. So this is closer to '90. Right. The first one is a big one. I'll get into the WWF and WCW stuff, or NWA stuff, rather, uh, at the towards the end. But this first story, I never heard of this before. This is nuts. In, it's been asked. I mean, obviously, you can take what Meltzer says with a grain of salt. However, the culture in Japan is very different than here in America. And it's, it's a largely populated country, but it's a small island compared to any place else even though they're very advanced with technology and, and all this other stuff. But yeah, Antonio Inoki, it was asked of Dave Meltzer in the past. It's like, well, how does he compare in Japan to Hulk Hogan in America? Oh, and he Lord. said, and I mean, he's not wrong with saying this, but he said, well, Hogan was the bigger star in America and internationally, whatever. But in Japan, Hulk Hogan was nothing compared to Antonio Inoki, which he's not wrong. He was like a god over there. Yeah, well, I mean, also to be fair, in Japan, Hogan is nothing compared to Scott Norton. And I am not being funny. <laughs> Antonio Inoki made a public appearance at a concert, and a, me- a mental patient jumped onto the stage and apparently slashed him with a knife from ear to throat. He suffered a deep six-centimeter-long gash in his neck and lost 2,000 cc's of blood and was ordered home for a month to recover. I I remember hearing something about an incident with a fan and a knife. I don't remember what it was. I guess this must be it. Yeah. I Knowing how tough Antonio Inoki was, I imagine after he got sliced, even bleeding as bad as he was and everything, like, I would have been afraid to be the guy with a knife. Yeah, figured right? He, figured he would have pulled a cro- Crocodile Dundee on me and been like, that's not a knife, and then he just, like, karate <laughs> chops me into next week. 
Um, there yeah. was a story years ago, like someone attacking um, one of the Gracies, the famous oh, MMA man. family, with a knife. And someone said, oh, my God, how's the knife? I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, I would have been uh, afraid to figure they would have taken that knife while it's still in my hand and shoved it up my ass. Right. That's Good funny, boy. though, because if you go back and like, I mean, I, go look at like Inoki's Hall of Fame. Uh, uh-huh. induction like he's wearing like a nice suit and like a, a million dollar scarf that made chris jericho uh jealous um yeah, right. and like uh i look i look at that i'm like that guy's a badass oh i know yeah <sighs> i anybody- mean don't let that deceive you but yeah i mean right <laughs> if anybody wants evidence uh look if anybody wants to see just like uh when when keeping it real goes wrong uh youtube search for antonio Inoki versus the great antonio Oh yeah. my gosh, that was. Um, we'll just leave it at that. I don't want to promote that. I mean, yeah. not that it's. I mean, it's, it's yeah, rough. <laughs> I'm it's trying rough to find to the right words. I'm not right. saying it because I don't want to promote it. I just, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of violent. Jerry Lawler was fired as the Booker of Memphis and replaced with Dutch Mantel and Ricky Morton of all people, but Lawler keeps control of his own stuff, so he's still happy. Because that's a duo. <laughs> yeah, that's get, the most random ass duo. Yeah, Slash, get, I fully believe it. If that makes get sense. Uncle Zebekiah and the and Richard and the, Morton from yeah the, the guy who gets beat up on the <laughs> on the Rock and Roll Express Richard Morton from New York Foundation. Good lord! It's not Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express. Okay, if he's a Booker, he's clearly Richard Morton. Right? Yeah, and he's got his I'm little computer with him. Yeah. Well, my thing. You have was, determined that you can book this territory in four months and turn it into a success. Said Alexandra's computer. What the hell? Shout out to anybody who gets that. You have to know what the York Foundation is and how it works. <laughs> Speaking of Memphis, Lawler unsurprisingly dropped the USWA title to Soul Taker, who, for those of you that don't know, is the Godfather. Wow, I didn't know that was his name. That explains Papa Shango. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he went from Soul Taker to yeah uh, to Papa Shango, and so Soul Taker yeah. is best friends with the Undertaker. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, that's I a bet, shoot, folks. Go watch the last ride documentary if you don't know. Sorry. Oh yeah, for sure. And one owns a strip club, and the other one really loves strip clubs. I mean, I don't know about any more, but you see his wife. He does not need to go to a strip club. No, Coco Beware will be. I mean, we got stabbing, and we got this. Hey, we're going into racism, man. Here we oh, go. good. I mean, you start with Coco Beware, though. I'm already listening, man. Hell I yeah. mean, asses in seats or ears and headphones, whatever. I'm, I'm here. I'm for it. Let's do this. Yeah, I mean, uh, me and Jacob Grandi talked about the amazingly mild reaction he got at SummerSlam 88, where he came out and you could have heard mild? a mouth fart. Mild? You heard... Yeah. Mild, mild entails that something happened. Yeah. Like you guys might have overdid it. Let's just say Coco Beware came out, and if his theme song wasn't playing, you could have heard a mouse piss on Cotton. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. He's in the Hall of Fame, folks. And, you know, yep. Brian Pillman is not... <laughs> He's the standard people like he's like, you know how they say we are the bar. Well, people use him as the bar. Like whenever they say, does so-and-so deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? They always go, Coco, beware. And they're like, you know what? You're right. So that's really unfair because I think it should be uh, Drew Carey. But OK, anyways, good well, he, Sorry. he doesn't count. He's in the celebrity wing. I, I honestly forget they even exist half the time. So Coco, beware will be brought back in early 1990 after his firing in Europe due to the sensitive or racial nature of his fight with executive Jim Troy. Troy, who Uncle Dave described as Titan VP in charge of international affairs and lying about pay-per-view buy rates. Well, that's a little editorialism and uh, mouthful. Anyway, he resigned from his position immediately after the fight 
and will be working more in boxing because, you know, there are less black people in boxing, Greg. You know, I think they had no black folks in that sport for years. Yeah, right. Uh, in 1989, I can't think of a single black boxer <laughs> that was on top of the world. Not one. For those that don't know that what new, happened. No, no, you're forgetting about that new young badass guy. Look like a bulldog. What's his name? Uh, Tyson. Yeah, Tyson. Yeah, Tyke Mason. Yeah. Does anybody get that reference from what movie that is? Send a <laughs> shout on Twitter. Good I would Lord. love it if you got that. But this, uh, this thing came from, they were doing a tour in Europe. And apparently, I don't know if they were on the bus or in a bar. I've gotten different stories about it. But this Jim Troy, who was, uh, I don't know, the VP in charge of international affairs or whatever. I don't remember. But he was a higher up in WWE, WWF, whatever. He uh, popped off some pretty racial insults at Coca Beware. And even though he, even though he looks like he might be somebody you could possibly mess with, Coco Beware much like the Wu-Tang Clan, ain't nothing to F with. And he, uh, well, he joined the Smackahoe tribe that day, and apparently it was uh, pretty bad. He beat the tar out of this guy from everything I've heard, and they fired both of them because they were like, well, you were fighting in a bar, and you're fired for being a uh, raging racist. So I would think, you know, that would be Coco's out. (laughs) Right, yeah, I just... I guess back in 1989, they didn't applaud people for standing up for themselves against raging racists. Then again, like, well, you know, if you hadn't been black, this wouldn't have happened, dude. Sorry. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> wow. Uh, That's what well, it sounds like. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, you're right. Well, it's kind of like, didn't they fire um, and uh, Alberto for smacking that guy? Uh, yes. He made fun of him for being Mexican, right? Or made a Mexican. Yeah. Mexican. Yeah, he kept making, like, jokes at him about being Mexican and saying, like, being a busboy or whatever. He was like, oh, bust my tray for me or whatever. And he was like, what'd you say? And th- this wasn't, like, the first time either. He'd made multiple. I would have smacked the crap out of him, too. You don't say that crap. Yeah. And Alberto <laughs> stood up, smacked the dog crap out of this guy. And then they, they told him he needed to apologize. And he said, no, I'm not apologizing to him. And so they fired him. I'll apologize to the restaurant for making a scene or wherever the hell they were. I think they were in catering. So Whatever. <laughs> Okay, I apologize yeah. to all your fellow goers for making a scene. That's yeah. the that's as far as I would go. <laughs> yeah, sorry I had to do that here. I know crap splatters, so <laughs> Yeah, I just I don't understand. I can't believe like, that. So basically Coco got reprimanded because someone was racist to him. And he beat the dog crap out of him. Yeah. That yeah, that makes total sense. I mean Also I'm probably... a little sensitive subject because honestly I I loved Coco when I was like I still do, but he was one of yeah. my favorites. I mean, you know, I you know this about me, like Baby faces when I was a kid, man, I ate that stuff up. If they were like like yeah. that, I was all for it. And Coco with uh, Frankie was one of my favorites. Yeah. So that kind of was to hear, but he's glad to beat the hell out of say that. Yeah, that's true. And the guy lost his job. And they did bring him back, not defending it, because there's no defense for it. But I mean, if you had, I get it where you're like, okay, we're trying to be more corporate. And if you physically assault somebody, we have to do something. Give him a slap on the wrist. Don't fire the guy. Or God suspend sake. him for a week or. Yeah. Make plus, him look like this, a fool on TV because you have that ability within pro wrestling. Yeah. Well, plus, this wasn't uh, on company time either. So it's not like, well, you beat somebody up on company time. This was his own free time. So I don't care if the guy's higher up in the company or not. You're clearly firing him. So who cares? 89. Uh, the, um, was that the the Ring Boy scandal here? Oh, with Patterson? I yeah. I don't know. I don't I'm, know. I'm only saying this. I'm like, they were probably trying to avoid bad, more bad press. I'm just trying to figure out a reason. But not that there's a logical reason. I'm just trying to figure out a reason. Supposedly, they, they discounted all of those 
uh, allegations against Patterson. But you know how people are nowadays. Well, I mean, yeah, they can just tell them all they want. But like that episode of Donahue, that famous one, for, I, for my knowledge, the only time Vince McMahon and Dave Meltzer were on TV at the same, well, the same thing at the same time. <laughs> it was all about I, that. And Lee Graham was there and Bruno was there. And I'm not sure if this was the year, but I feel like they were trying to get away from more bad press. So. Wow. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that. So it's uh, on YouTube. You get bored, so yeah, I'll have to check that out. If you want a reason to trash Dave Meltzer for the same stuff you trashed him for last week, I look. I'm not trying to copy Bischoff, okay? But seriously, I see his point. I'm trying yeah. to go show without flipping out on that idiot. But go ahead. Well, some some of this stuff <laughs> is just like like you said. He makes it not fun after a while. It's like, dude, like I get it. People pay him for this stuff, but for God's sake. Like I've said, it's it's a felony in California to rip off the. Never mind. Never mind. Go on. <laughs> to, to rip people off, no? Yeah. Well, I mean, he could believe his own garbage. So. I hope he does, honestly. And I mean, uh, look, that would make some sense. I mean, okay, you really believe this. I mean, you can't really get pissed at somebody who believes that. You know what I mean? I mean yeah. <laughs> and I will say this: he is right about this, but it doesn't make it right to kind of ruin it. I mean, keep in mind we're in October. WrestleMania is not till March. Uncle Dave lets everybody know that the main event for WrestleMania will be Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. Wow. So there you go. Uh, uh, I want to say that come January, we know. Yeah, but he's printing but, I mean, it like three months ahead of, I don't know. Cause at, uh, this, at this point, wasn't it still rumored to be Hogan and Zeus? Uh, I, I think so. They were building up the Survivor Series. Uh, Listen to la- uh, two weeks. or I'm getting my time mixed up. Listen to uh, listen to the Saturday Night's main event episode. Yeah, the last one. Yeah, yeah. Listen to the listen to the Saturday Night main event twenty three episode we did uh, back in last month. It's now in the archives. It's from September of eighty nine. So we kind of cover more of that. I don't even know who the Warrior was feuding with at this point. Um, I know he wrestled Rick Rude at SummerSlam. I don't know if that was still that feud was still going. Who did he wrestle like... at Survivor Series? Anybody? Uh, he was on a team against the. Uh, Against uh, the Heenan family. So I think he was feeling with Andre. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, this is one that made me laugh. Uh, kind of a year too soon here, Dave. He said the LA Coliseum is still the leading candidate to get WrestleMania 6. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, uh, they wouldn't even get WrestleMania 7 either. So, yeah, I, I remember what? we did a show recently and we talked about how the brand new Sky Dome was the leading candidate. So, yeah, I remember vividly you saying that one of the new segments. So, right, yeah. So I, they're changing course, and I think Bruce so. Richard, so sorry, what you're saying is plans changed. Yes, exactly. Okay. Uh, and I believe Bruce Pritchard talked about this, where they were recording the WWF heavily, but they just decided they're like, well, next year or something like that. Uh, by they, I mean the LA Coliseum people, uh, because know. they had just hosted the Olympics there, right? I believe the so. A- yeah. TBS has ordered a stop to all of the blood on the NWA product, be it TV, pay-per-view, or house shows. This would not last long, but this would actually lead uh, to... Th- oh, go ahead. I want to say that's uh, because of Eddie Gilbert that we didn't see on that uh, Flyer Steamboat 2 at the Class of Champions in the Superdome. They added uh, that off the network, but I believe Eddie Gilbert bleeds like... I know it's like cliche, like a stuck pig, but dude, it was gushing. It was disgusting, but... Uh, wow. I believe that's the reason. I'm just taking oh. a guess there, but... I wonder if he accidentally pulled a Bill Alfonso and hit a hit a uh, an artery or something. Right. Yeah. Well, this oh, didn't last. To think about. Sorry. Yeah, this didn't last very long. The uh, the 
no blood thing. However, it did lead to I'm I'm getting my my timelines mixed up here because we just covered Saturday Night's main event. So and Dusty was there. They they had various no blood things that would like they'd bring it back and then they would be like okay blood again bring it back okay no blood again yeah I they did that in WCW too and I can't remember which I... one it was which one it was but it was the the one I think it was a Clash of the Champions where Dusty had the uh, Road Warriors stick a spike in his eye it was and... definitely Clash of the Champions or Saturday Nights so yeah it was Clash of the Champions but I can't remember which one and he had them jab a spike in his eye and he was fired for it because he bled all over the place and this was like right after turner was like no blood and he's like oh screw you baby i'm gonna put a spike in my eye (laughs) blood that's not for somebody else that's for me daddy yeah like and then i'm gonna leave the blood on the face right where it is And then 30 years from now, we're going to reenact this with Chris Jericho and John Moxley and something called the <laughs> AWA, also on a Turner Broadcast Station. It's AEW, dude. <laughs> what, did I, what did I call it? The AWA. <laughs> oh, what a, I made I, that mistake twice. I, uh, I've i actually called AEW APW, which is a local wrestling here. You were fairly young at this point, so you probably... Uh, five years old. <laughs> yeah, so you don't remember, or I don't know if you remember this at all, or I don't even know if it hit your neck of the woods. But uh, this is the week where a major earthquake caused the postponement of the World Series game. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I didn't hit my neck of the woods at all. Well, I, I vividly remember this. I, okay. I, it's the first time I ever thought, like, oh my god, I'm dying. I'm like five, wow. or six. I'm, I was scared crapless, did. I mean, like, Damn. I had never experienced it before. Well, and apparently, I was sitting at my house. I was at my friend's house down the street, and the world's shaking. Like, we were having a big barbecue, a big party, because the A's were playing the Giants in the World Series. This was a huge oh, wow. thing. And we ended up winning, by the way. We swept him, but whatever. Anyways, um, I remember this, though. Yeah, dude. It destroyed the Bay Area. Yeah, it said it did. Bay Bridge and just destroyed wow. half of San Francisco. It's crazy. Yeah, it said it did billions of dollars in damage. Also, the postponement of the World Series game was moved to the same night as Halloween Havoc. So I assume you didn't order Halloween Havoc. <laughs> I watched this, man. I watched this uh, on tape afterward. I don't know if anyone knows what a VHS tape is. Go look it up. But. Because my neighbor, uh, they were like huge baseball. I mean, we were all baseball fans, but they had a huge TV. So we watched over there. And yeah, I remember this vividly because it's like my, you know, my A's were a dynasty. <laughs> wow. So, um, but yeah, I, for that reason alone, I remember it. Did, uh, did it cause any damage to like your house or anything? No, not, not that I remember. If it did, uh, they took care without me knowing or I'm just forgetting. Wow. But I, I just like, I remember the whole world just moving are you the oldest are you the oldest of your siblings yeah so my sister was just over one at the time uh so you're the only one that remembers this i am yeah well i'll be honest i probably wouldn't remember this year at all if this didn't happen stuff gets stuck in your mind (laughs) yeah Uh, that's a yeah that's a big thing i mean if i was five and i felt like holy crap the world's gonna cave in like yeah i'd probably remember that too i feel like i didn't know what death was at five but i felt like uh i was like gonna die if that makes sense yeah like, just, it was well, that bad it was been scary. a good run all five <laughs> right. years of it kindergarten has uh, been fun for a couple of months goodbye wow. no, and i know it was like a month actually yeah just one month yeah well speaking of it's been a good run after the show will be the clash of the champions nine new york knockout on november 15th the main event will be rick flair versus terry funk in an i quit match 
which Uncle Dave says will likely be Funk's retirement match. However, Dave doesn't <laughs> discount Sorry. Dave Dave doesn't discount the possibility that he might come out of retirement again someday. Oh man. This was nineteen eighty nine, folks. I feel like we had this exact same conversation at a nineteen ninety seven show we did. We did. This yeah. is his last match. Yeah, it was, yeah, a, it was the Canadian Stampede, I believe. This is gonna be definitely riding off in the sunset. And then we come mm-hmm. back with the woman's pantyhose on his face and come out of a box. He's yeah, gonna have a chainsaw inside of a box. It's gonna be over. <laughs> yeah. So it's this just this is a thing with funk every couple of months, like or every couple of years, I should say. And you're like, oh, middle aged and crazy. Like, well, you're damn right he is. Well, now he's like why golden you, years and crazy. I missed the show. Do you know why you missed the show? Tell me why. <laughs> Oh, his horse was sick, and Bruce Pritchard's mother's a whore. <laughs> oh, God dang it, Bruce, I got a call from, from my brother Dory. He said our horse was sick. Stupid horse. I'll never forget. Stupid horse, and then he punches him. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. The, the, the guy was old, like elderly. A horse back kicked him in the arm, and his response was to say "stupid horse" and punch him. Who does that? Middle-aged and crazy guys. I don't know. Terry Funk's low-key my hero. <laughs> Last story here: the NWA also announced that there will be a Red Robin tournament format for Starcade, and Uncle Dave thinks that it's a great idea for a free TV show. But for the biggest show of the year, you actually need a main event and storyline for fans to focus on, and this is not that. Plus, they'll have Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson back by then, and they won't even uh, be on the show. They won't have Tully. But, uh, About <laughs> that. <laughs> um, at this point, was Starcade their biggest show? It was, yeah. Okay. So it makes even less sense, yeah. They always tried these weird gimmicks with Star... Like, I think this... Uh, yeah, they did the King of the Cable there, too, and... Which is well, funny, King of Cable. It had nothing to do with like scaling the cable or something. They were talking about TV, which is literally built into the name for the should be on TV. But yeah, you know, right. And whatever. If you remember in 91 and 92, they started the Battle Bowl bull crap. Yeah. Like, why did they did that later? Bowl? They did that later in WCW2, that DDP one. But was that a Star- Starcade? I feel like it was, it like, was its own. It was its own show by that yeah. point. Oh, Slambury. Was... Yeah. Slambury featuring Battle Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was an actual was that... like Battle Bowl event at one point. Yeah. It was, like, that it was just called Battle Bowl. Yeah. It was, it was uh. Slambury, I believe. And that was uh, their hidden dig at WWE, and instead of King of the Ring, they called it the Lord of the Ring. And Yes, and yeah. he actually got a ring, didn't he? Well, he did, yeah. Stupid. Yeah, so, look, I, I'm fine with, like, a gimmick. If you want to throw a gimmick on your big match, okay. But the show itself is a gimmick. And luckily, they took a break from that for a couple of years, and but then back in 95, they have the World Cup of Wrestling, which was... I, it, there wasn't any. The, yeah, they had Ric Flair versus Randy Savage as the main event for the WCW title. That was like the only match not part of that throughout the night. I think. Yeah, but I also want to say though, you know, that event was pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, it was. I'm not saying it was bad. It's just like, why is like, why are you doing this at Starcade? Starcade, their biggest show of the year at that point, didn't have Hulk Hogan on it. By the way, just pointing that out. Seems to be a theme. Yeah. That was '95. You said. Yeah. Then 96, he would be on there against yep. Piper, but the title was on the line. <sighs> Wasn't that the match of the century or whatever? Yes. Good Lord. Yeah, they yeah, put the... your title on the line. And I, at that point, I believe it was their biggest selling pay-per-view. Yeah. Well, that's just their biggest stupid. pay-per-view 
I mean, there's, there's plenty of reasons not to have the title on the line. So, yeah. Well, according to Bischoff, by 96, it was definitely Halloween Havoc was their big show of the year. Well, I'll go back and watch historically, yeah, easily. Yeah. Again, though, 97 Halloween Havoc, Piper and Hogan, Cage, no title on the line. Mm, This whole argument can be made for this, too. A Cage that looked similar to the one we're going to be talking about here today. And I think... I think... No titles on their pay-per-views, but whatever, sorry. Yep. Well, I think that was a perfect transition with the Cage here to get into the event at hand. Uh, We will get into it right after this quick break. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. In a rapidly changing world, people wonder more and more about where their food comes from and how it was grown. The farmers who grow America's corn understand how important this is and want to share the stories from our farms of how we are working to grow an incredible crop that can be an answer to sustainability questions and is grown by men and women who value the air, water, soil, and our natural resources just like you. To find out more about how corn farmers are working to feed and fuel a vibrant economy and healthy planet, visit ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. Now, back to our program. All right, now that we're back, it is time for NWA Halloween Havoc 1989. The tagline, Settling the Score. The date was October 28th, 1989, so three days before Halloween? I'm not, I I don't do math well. I don't know them little squares on the paper with the numbers on it that tells you what today is. What the hell? Uh, The... It, it took place at the Philadelphia Civic Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Attendance, 7,300. So, not a not a big crowd, but it's Philadelphia, so it's a hot crowd. There's also a WWE territory, too, right? Yeah. At I'm, this guessing time, that's why, uh, I'm guessing that's why they're not at the Spectrum. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's that 7,300 is, is, a, is a sellout. They weren't really selling out anything in 89 go back and listen to our previous episodes from nwa 1989 flair and steamboat headlining the show the cards don't actually look that bad on paper and they can't sell out crap i mean that they were at the superdome for that clash of the champions raging cajun and gosh what they have like they had less than 10,000 people, I think. Yeah, that was that's in a 60,000. You and I have been there, by the way. I think it's huge. Yes. So, Jim Cornette historically calls it a, it says the crowd was equal to a piss hole in a snowbank. Wow. So like something he would say about New Yorkers. New Orleans. Wow. Well, he does. He seems to hate New Yorkers like passion. Yeah. Well, uh, Uncle Dave. I'm from ab- Kentucky. Sorry. <laughs> Kentucky. Uh, Uncle Dave absolutely hated Halloween Havoc 1989. He felt that the show ended the string of excellent NWA pay-per-views for the year, saying that it was far from the worst, but came off as just another night of wrestling. Yeah, yeah. man. I hate agreeing with that. But <laughs> I, do. I, I don't I don't know if it was the worst of the year. I mean, maybe. I don't know. You and I thought that Russell War was pretty boring. And he said that was one of the best, didn't he? No, he loved it. He was there in person. I think he was there in person for this one, too, because he's commenting. Extra biasness, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think he was there physically for this one, too, because he was commenting on what the live crowd reaction was and saying, well, I don't know how it came off on TV. So I assume he was he flew out to Philly for this, which is a hell of a thing to fly out to Philly for. Write this back. Like, I don't know how it came off. I mean, sorry, write it. You don't watch this back. 
Uh, I don't think he does. Like, if he's I mean, physically honestly, there. I, mean, I don't watch back every event I go to, like, every one of them. But, yeah. like, if I'm to write a review about it and write something about how it came off on TV, I'm definitely going to, to you know, do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to endear you to me and uh, turn off a few listeners with this next comment. But I said, thank God this was Philadelphia before ECW existed, or we'd have to be hearing those idiots chant for their bingo hall garbage federation throughout the entire night. Yeah. <laughs> Just, especially with the, the amount of boringness that was on the show, because there are there is some boringness. Uh, yeah. Moments, too, though, that I really like. So I'm oh, gonna, yeah. I don't want to turn everyone off right away and say it sucked, but it, no, there it are some not. stuff. There's some things I really liked. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, now I, looking at my ratings for some of the stuff, I may have been overdoing it by saying this was a horrible show. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it just felt, it just fell flat to me. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like what you would think. Like, oh, it's the first Halloween Havoc had to been great, right? Yeah, about that. But I mean, it like you said, it wasn't bad. Uh, I'm gonna get a little offensive here. Sorry, but uh, we see Gordon Sully on the mic backstage. I wonder how many flasks he had hidden in that suit jacket. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just, but Jim Ross himself admitted if we didn't pick him right up from the airport and get him into the studio right away, he would have been drunk at the airport bar before we did anything. And he I said had he would. Margaritas and add a souffle with it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he's going for a vertical souffle, and I'm going to take another hit of my uh, large stogie that I have with me. He was always sitting there smoking while he was commentating, but. <laughs> Hey, like I said, man, Lemmy from Motorhead did that when he was recording vocals sometimes, and he was still badass, so. <laughs> yeah, well, this first, the first match was not badass. It was Captain Mike Rotunda versus the Z-Man. <laughs> Again, so, before we even start the show, I gotta give you props for your transitions, man. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> this one, for those that don't know who the Z-Man was, it was Tom Zank, but they announced him just as the Z-Man. He was, thir- uh, this went on for 13 minutes, 23 seconds. Mother of God. If you, you're probably thinking the same thing I'm thinking. 13 and a half minutes for Z-Man and Rotunda. That's not enough. Uh, exactly what I was thinking. Yes. Both men get booed. Rotunda is in control. My first note real quick is, I, which one of these guys is, is the heel? Um, I was... Rotunda is supposed to be. No, I know. I'm just like, I'm just club, like the, but... the reaction though. I'm like, right. Who are you? Who are you? More rooting for, or who are you yeah. less booing? I think they, I think they booed Rotunda mostly just because of maybe the Syracuse uh, connection. Oh, I, I'm, that's I'm, true. It's right there. Yeah, I would assume. I'm assuming their Penn State got people there. Okay. Yeah. Either that, or I mean, that's what I'm assuming. And then, I mean, this is Philly. Even back in 1989, they were them in New York were considered, you know, and Chicago somewhat were considered the quote unquote smart fans. So, and we'll we'll get into that later in the show. Redundant. Anyways. Yeah, they're the smart marks. But yeah, so both guys get booed. Rotunda's in control for most of the match, but he does a second rope crossbody dive, which Z-Man rolls through for the pinfall win. Boring! Uncle Dave said that the Philly fans turned on Zank quickly and booed him, and that the match was pretty boring. He, I gave it one and a half stars. Uncle Dave gave it three-fourths of a star. What's the you? Oh. Well, I said, um, match never got going for me. I was bored five minutes in. I said one star. Yeah, this and just... My, my only other note was, who was supposed to be the heel here? Yep. Uh, my, my my fact that I wrote for this match, like, both these guys will always be remembered as tag team wrestlers. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to crap on the dead. Please don't think that. But the Can-Am connection was not really known for much. Strike, yeah. strike was better when, when Martel 
went with uh, Tito. Yeah. But as far as like Rotunda goes, I, Money Inc. was what I remember him for. So I used this. Sorry, com- guys. They were never going to be singles wrestlers. but <laughs> I used this a couple weeks ago for our UWF show, something similar. I'm going to use it again for Tom Zink. He wasn't a bad worker, and he looked great, but he had all the charisma of buttered toast. <laughs> yeah. I just, Jim Ross kept trying to put over, oh, he's a ladies' man, and whatever. It's like, I don't even think the ladies give a damn. Like, he just. I mean, you take a look at him, you can tell he's a good looking guy. I guess that, that has to be what he meant. That's literally maybe. the only reason he had his job, is because maybe. he wasn't terrible in the ring, and god dang it, look at him. He's man pretty, and he can get the girls screaming. That's enough to sell a few tickets. Well, he was no Tom McGee, but yeah. Man ass Tom McGee. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, Mega Man Tom McGee. Yeah, like, when, I think, <laughs> what? when I think Mega Man, I think of the name Tom McGee. I don't know, man. Nowadays, Mega Man means Kenny Omega to me. But Wow. Well, if anyone's heard his theme, which is like probably one of the better ones in all of AEW, it's clearly yeah. a take on the Mega Man, th- or a Mega Man theme. So. Nice. Uh, Chris Cruz is interviewing interviewing Bruno San Martino backstage. Bruno's dressed like a referee because hold what? on, who's Chris Cruz? <laughs> I think I think you you you? Out, <laughs> yeah, I think you pointed out to me tonight or that that on this night they said, well, he's making his debut in the NWA. Yeah, they did. So he, but like, he's like the newest <laughs> ring announcer. Yeah, I don't know. He I don't know. He was part of the 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 ever growing interview commentary team whatever and he quickly quickly got lost in the shuffle but i didn't think he was bad he was just i'm sure he was tonight, huh? yeah uh, i think well what we, what, let's say we avoid all those jokes by the way let's just move on sorry um. well you don't want to put you don't want to throw missy hyatt into this segment and tell you, it would be super awkward while bruno's trying to talk about the main event she's hitting on him so, uh, I, I mean isn't that what she did according to rumor and innuendo yes well that was her gimmick Either way, Cruz is interviewing Bruno San Martino backstage. Bruno's dressed like a referee because he's going to be the referee for the Thunderdome cage match in main event. The Thunderdome! Welcome. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, Bruno lays out exactly what his job is going to be. So this is like a boring-ass promo. And I had to make a note. This is the one of the first times I've seen Bruno San Martino outside of the WWE where he wasn't trashing the WWE Yeah. every other word. Well, the check. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. I should probably say the check didn't clear. That's why I didn't trash the competition. Right. <laughs> yeah, just like that was always a thing. We'll get into uh, we'll get into more Bruno here in a little bit. But yeah, because I, I have some more stuff to say about him. But is Bruno only here because they're in Pennsylvania and he was close? Uh, I would say yeah. That, that's probably why they were like, "Hey, you want to come and do another appearance?" But he was also at Clash of the Champions twenty. He popped up once or twice again, and at Clash of the Champions twenty, of course, he had to take his arbitrary dig at. You know, WWE, so. Yeah, he was like, well, this, uh, the, the, the stuff on the other channel, that's, you know, that, that's, uh, nothing that I'm familiar with, you know, that, that, this, this is the stuff that I was used to throughout my career. Like, okay. Either way, uh, he's, he's not used to big muscle bound guys holding the world championship for years. I, like, what? <laughs> Either way. This next match, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and the Midnight Express team of Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane, in my opinion, the Midnight Express. Yep. With Jim, I might get some flack for that, but I don't give a damn. I'm with you. They've got Jim Cornette in their corner. They're taking on the Samoan SWAT team of Fatu and Samu, along with the Samoan Savage. In their corner, they have the Big Kahuna, 
who is Sir Oliver Humperdinck dressed like Charlie Sheen on vacation. Uh, My first note is, what the hell happened to Humperdinck? Uh... What I, before you say anything like oh well, like he had some before i just be like <laughs> i remember him in the flamboyant suit and all that you know and yeah he is looking like this yeah he comes out looking like he's ready for a luau i just i don't know uh the wwe network version or dubbed in a version of the midnight express theme that sounds like a 1990s club theme yeah they do that in all of them that's a shame too because that's a classic theme yeah I can't think of the name of the song uh, that I'm thinking of right off the top of my head, but it's one of those like, oh, pump up the jam. That's it. Like, if you take the instrumental of pump up the jam. I can, yeah, I can, I, can, I can hear that now, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. I was like, the hell? I just like, I wanted like strobe lights going and like Cornette just starts like getting down with his bad self in the middle of the ring. Well, swinging his racket. <laughs> hell yeah. And that is not an innuendo, folks. He I literally was... had a racket in his hand. <laughs> Zing. <sighs> Is that a racket in your pants, or are you just happy to see me? Cornette grabs a microphone and claims that the Midnight Express has wrecked more homes than Hurricane Hugo. (sighs) What was with him and mentioning disasters that killed people? Because he's a disaster. He he said one of his first promos, or I don't know if it was one of his first promos, but when Dusty was booking, he said he goes out there and says something about, uh, in the ring, you're going up quicker than the Challenger. And Dusty like dropped the lights in the arena and and stopped the record. Oh, and is that the the NAS the, the the spaceship that exploded? Yes, with the teacher inside. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, he said that, and he said as soon as he said that line, you see the power in the in the venue go. Boom. And he said, Dusty is like, come here, and he's like, kid, don't mention the challenge. Do it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just funny to me, by the way. Not that. Not that. I'm trying to get off. No. Yeah. It's funny to me that Dusty Rhodes, anybody at that point or any time, would ever call Jim Cornette kid. Yeah, well, uh, he's yeah, you got to think about it. Up, but you know, <laughs> right. Either way, this is the final WC- NWA WCW pay per view appearance for Doctor Dusty Williams until Beach Blast 1992. Oh, Hell, no. make your return. Fatu and the Samoan Savage both have dreadlocks. Samu does not. They almost look like. The Usos that went on, like, a buffet tour of America. <laughs> but either way, the Samoan Savage, for those that don't know, is the Tonga Kid. Who I I've know met millions that. of times. Seriously? He's literally always at Jacob Fatu's matches at APW. Yeah. Nice. You're like, every there... single show he's hanging out there. Is that his uncle? Probably. And I know we mention this every single week, the show, but it bears repeating. He was heavily featured in the Jimmy Snuka episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. Check that out. It comes to the point, by the way, where we have to mention that show, so. Yeah, it unfortunately comes up. Fortunately, unfortunately, whatever, comes up a lot, so. We're not praising, like, oh, yeah, death, but the show is so good. Yes, very good. If you haven't watched it, go watch them all. They're amazing. For a true crime wrestling show, it's great. In the end, everything breaks down. Cornette knocks Humperdinck off the apron with a racket. Samoan Savage uh, knocks Lane into Cornette, and then the Savage covers Lane for the win. <laughs> Uncle Dave says that this was the debut of Oliver Humperdinck as the big kahuna, managing the Samoans and trying to be Lou Albano. <laughs> he, he also said... Wow, I didn't piece that together. Okay, now I get it. Yeah, so I stupid, kinda... but now I get it. I did not piece that together. Yeah, looking back, I, I get it. Wasn't didn't he manage the Wild Samoans in the WWF? He did, and he would manage the Head Shrinkers uh, when they turned face too. 
Okay, so that yeah, that makes exactly sense. Like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, very good. He said very good overall in spots, but disjointed in others. He gave it two and three four stars. I gave it two and a half stars for fairly average. What say you? Uh, my first thing, well, I said Humperdinck looked nuts. I said the match went way too long. <laughs> yeah, looks <I> nuts. <laughs> they, they lost because Sweet Sam bumped into Cornette. That was the finish. He bumped into his manager and he got pinned. Well, he did the dreaded roll-up, Greg. <sighs> the roll-up of doom that has won every single 24-7 championship ever. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, gave it two I gave it two stars because I did... I mean, I wasn't like completely turned off. One of my favorite parts, by the way, and you know, we've already mentioned college football. But I don't know if he caught this though. Uh, Jim Cornette, or not uh, Jim Ross, said that uh, Doc was going off on them. He's like, you must be thinking they're wearing Nebraska jersey or something. He's going off on these guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. Then he, he kind of takes a dig at his own team. Man, you know, the Sooners could use Doc this year. <laughs> Good Lord. I'm assuming they yeah. sucked that year. But, um. He acted like anybody gives a, gave a crap about that. Good lord. I just I have a note about that. I, well, uh, later in the podcast, but yeah. I, I just I'm I you got the usual suspects, you know, Ohio, Michigan, Alabama, you know, Clemson. I've never heard anybody reference Nebraska. I'm sorry. I've never to this day. Like, the, Nebraska's a, a thing? <laughs> the record in just getting off on, you know, a sidebar here. The record in 89 was 7 and 4 and they were 5 and 2 in the Big 8. So that's not so bad. Nah. Definitely a lot better than that, but he acted like they were 0-4 at this point or something. Yeah, so I I don't know. For the six-man tag, I think it's interesting that one of these men would become a major player in the WWE during the Attitude Era. Who the hell would have said it would be Fatu out of all these guys? <laughs> yeah, right. Who? Yeah, who had Fatu in the breakout star poll of this match? <laughs> to be honest, I thought it would, I mean, on paper, it would be Dr. Death, I would assume. Uh, yeah. Okay. He's the, he's the only one that wrestled like in yeah. a big time match out of any of them for the world title. Well, but I mean, Doctor Death, not in the WWE or and WCW. About you, at, he probably at this point had already made the greatest tag team on the planet. After this match, we go backstage with Gordon Sully. He's with Terry Funk and Gary Hart. Hart puts over the J Tex organization and says that Mister J will be at ringside tonight. Uh, spoiler: I don't think he was. <laughs> Who's Mr. J? <laughs> yeah. Like, was he? There was a dude who looked like the Asian Big Bubba Rogers, like, following them. Did you notice that? I, I did, I could... yeah. Also, um, I was going to say, well, I'll just say it now since you mentioned it. He was walking backwards. Yeah. Like, he was, like, uh, watching like, Gary's back. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Weird. He was like, I'm like, who's going to sneak up behind Gary Hart and knife him? But I don't know. But he said he'd be there at ringside. And that was, this is literally the last time you hear about this. So who the F is Mr. J? It's the Joker. Mr. J! My good lord. Pudding. Uh, but either. Uh, Funk makes a bunch of cooking, frying, and zapping jokes because of the uh, cage being electrified, you know, and all that crap. Uh, and he claims that uh, Sting and Sting and Flair will be electrified up against the cage tonight. My, right. my note for this, I'm like, dude, at one point, we got to film a 10,000 watt boogie for YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. the hell is a ten thousand watt boogie? I I don't friggin' know, but he made a bunch of promises that didn't come true uh here in this promo. So not to spoil anything, but you know, nobody got electrified. <sighs> Something else that is the exact opposite of electrifying. Up next, we got the Cuban assassin taking on Tommy Wildfire Rich 
Jim Barnett's yeah, this match favorite. was Wildfire, let me tell you. Oh, yes, my boy, Tommy Wildfire Rich. I'll give you the title. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to use with this again for this show. Psst, who's the Cuban assassin? <laughs> well, damn it, Greg. You should know who he is. He's the Cuban assassin. After this show, he left to go book in Puerto was, Rico. I thought that was Fidel Castro. What? Oh, my gosh. Hey, don't say that in front of Sean Penn. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> and, no, and Jesse Ventura, by the way. Oh, hell. I, I'm moving on. The, the, the Cuban assassin, seriously, like, I think after this, he seriously went to the uh, Puerto Rico territory to be the booker for a uh, while. WWC? Yeah. The one that was eventually bought up by uh, Carlos Colon. Or he might have owned it at this point, even. He probably did. Oh, I said Tommy Rich's skin tone is almost as pale as his hair. Which rules uh, him out of wrestling a Starcade. Well, you're damn right. Well, I don't know. It depends. Can Can Jim Barnett talk him in there? Because, I mean... <laughs> You know, oh, he's such a beautiful man, my boy. But it's uh, eight and a half minutes, I forgot to mention, of this crap. This match is beyond boring. I'd rather watch paint dry. Rich wins with a Luthez press for the pin. Uncle Dave says that Philly turned on Tommy Rich as well, <laughs> which he is You are correct. <laughs> Uncle Dave gave this a dud. I gave it a one. Let's say you. <laughs> I said, holy crap, boring, a thousand rest holds. Followed by Luthes Press. <laughs> I, I was tempted to give it zero star. I give it one star. This sucked. Okay, so uh, for this match, I said, uh, I said, here's a fact. I really have nothing. Rich has always sucked, and who the hell wow. is a Cuban assassin? <laughs> How dare you say Tommy Rich sucked? He's a former NWA champion. I don't know. So was, so was Rugged Ronnie Garvin, but, you know. I not joke. If anybody here is a challenge to the listeners, if you can find a Tommy Rich match that you think that you can hold up to me and say this right here, this is a good one. Watch it and you'll be entertained. Please send it in because. And well, you know what? So how far, about this? How about this? If someone can do that, we'll do a watch along for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I have yet to watch any single Tommy Rich match that I didn't hate, <laughs> or at least you know. I, hate is a strong word, but I hated most of his matches. Like, not even oh. joking. <sighs> it's it's garbage, man. I, not saying that he was like any doing anything wrong, other than just being flat out boring. Yeah, I mean, in doing all these shows, every one of his matches I've seen, just eh. yeah, yeah. Uh, they build up. Or, I mean, also he had a job, so clearly someone liked the stuff. So. I mean, were you not listening? I just said Jim Barnett. <laughs> uh, Gordon Sully is backstage interviewing the fabulous Freebirds, Michael P.S. Hayes, and Jimmy Jam Garvin. Uh, they do a lot of bragging and shouting. J- uh, Garvin- that raspy voice of, of Hayes when he shouts. I don't know why. I just I chuckle. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I never, I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just jaded here. I hate Jimmy Garvin. <laughs> I cannot I, get into I, him. Well, I mean, you hate Joey Janela, too, and if you look at Joey Janela, he is clearly a Jimmy Garvin wannabe, and is that somebody you want to be? No. Uh, Does anybody ever take a picture of, like, Joey Janela with his glasses on and his hair and put it next to this Jimmy Garvin right here, Jimmy Jam Garvin? He's literally cosplaying. So, 
and people talk up Jimmy Garvin. Like, I, I don't know. I didn't watch a lot of his stuff when he was uh, doing his own solo stuff with Precious and whatever. I It was Precious, right? Yeah. I, okay. Um, I didn't watch a lot of that, so I don't have that to go on. I just have this overweight Freebird run to go on where he's the substitute Freebird because <laughs> the other two are off with health problems. or Well, excuse me, one's in Japan and one has health problems. So... I, I don't know this, and all he did was like rock back and forth, really weird. Have a look on his face like he was holding in a fart, and then, (laughs) (laughs) and then everyone, and then he would just look at the camera and go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Like, okay, yeah, you're not even slightly cool yet. Damn, man. (laughs) Even I feel like he he, did he insult your mother or something or what? (laughs) No, but. I think the injustice of all injustices was out of all the Freebirds going, I realized the other two were dead. I get it. But of all the Freebirds to go in the Hall of Fame, it was Michael and him. Yeah. I feel like to the modern fan, they're the more known ones, though. Not not justifying uh, it, just saying that's. Jim Cornette goes on like big rants about him. He's like, he wasn't a Freebird. He was only a Freebird in the car. He was a Freeloader. <laughs> wow. That was a good. That was good. Uh, yeah. He's like, He's only a free bird because he rode with or he rode with him and rolled their joints. Look at that man. He could probably roll a joint better than anybody, so. Yeah, right? He's got I that look, know. bro. <laughs> he got the joint roller look, bro. <laughs> Good grief. But yeah, he You just know he loves Skinner too, so he did fit in. <laughs> oh hell yeah. Well, I'm sure he did. And I guess he liked to party with the free bird, so they're like, ah, whatever, you're in the crew. <laughs> I don't But either way, getting past my uh irrational hate of Jimmy Jam Garvin here. We move on to the fabulous Freebirds, Michael P.S. Hayes, types, <laughs> uh, 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 J- Michael P.S. Hayes, and Jimmy Jam Garvin defending the NWA World Tag Team Championships against <sighs> the dynamic dudes of Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas with Jim Cornette in their corner. This went for eleven and a half minutes. The dynamic dudes kidnapped some poor, unsuspecting kid out of the front row and gave him a neon hat. This was better than the chubby kid they pulled out and tried to play frisbee with. I think. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I just I find it funny that Bret Hart would rip them off and give all his glasses, you know, as an homage to the dynamic dudes. You know, it's, yeah, that's clearly Brett, what he was going Brett, for. Bret couldn't stay original. Had to rip these guys off. <laughs> Whatever. I like. Wow. I like how every time Bret gave his glasses to a kid, they were they were excited or their parents were excited. Oh yes, yay! Oh this that's so cool. When Rey Mysterio would take his his one mask off and give it to a kid in the front row the kid would always be like oh my gosh yay Rey Mysterio whenever the dynamic dudes did this the kid looked like he wanted to commit suicide at the age of eight (laughs) (laughs) what the hell (laughs) it was it was painful to watch just I don't know but yeah I put it I said this kid looked thrilled not (laughs) Jim Cornette seems equally thrilled to be introducing these holes and I love Shane Douglas but god this sucked you notice that he gets on the dynamic like, his, dudes, man. They're dynamic. Cowabunga, dude. Um, Jim, yeah, Jim Cornette always did his. Oh, I got to introduce my team at the beginning of the match thing. Did you yeah. notice how like unenthusiastic he seemed about this? He was like, "Yeah, it's Johnny uh, and Shane, the dynamic dude." I, yeah. I, I kind of did, but then I was like, "Well, he kind of just took a small beating." You know, like, you know, this is the second appearance out there, so could be that or. Or it could be he's sitting there going, what am I doing with my life? I just came out with Midnight Express. <laughs> I, I need to ask, because I'm just, I'm 
clearly they have the Luca. Are they faces and here and Cornet's a face too, thus making the Midnight Express face at this point? Yes. They were all baby faces. Okay, there's a reason I asked that. Yeah, okay. Because here's here's, here's I, I, where I, I wrote yeah. something about this. Because we were talking about the the, uh, the the smart marks in, in the Philly crowd, right? I said, the crowd blows for the Freebirds. Yeah. I they were supposed to be heels. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I, I swear they came off as like gods. And these yeah. guys came off as like, what the hell are you doing here? They got Which cheered. You're not wrong on that, but. Uh, <laughs> they, they were, they had the cheering equivalent to how much they were booed in Dallas. Yeah, right. So I was just like, what the hell am I missing? <laughs> but even though this is supposed to be a, I, I don't, I said, because I, I, I said, I don't know. Um, I thought this at this point was a face versus face match, even though I went into it thinking the Freebirds were the heels. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was, heels? I was thrown for a complete loop and I had to, I was kind of late when I was reviewing it. I was like, I'm pretty sure the dudes were always face. Yeah. Like, literally yeah, they were. because of their whole, the whole stick and they were like, they, they could be a heel. They're like, look at them. Like they couldn't, there's no way. No, you can't come and, out looking that <laughs> flamboyant, we'll say, and be a heel. It's just, no. It's kind of why I, Shawn Michaels felt the heel in the early years. But, yeah, um, yeah I just, I, I was, like, baffled. And, like, as the match went on, as the crowd reactions were going, I'm like, okay, what, who, who am I supposed to like here? Now, going into this, I, I like the Freebirds anyways, but. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the Freebirds, I wrote, the Freebirds are clearly a hundred times more over than the dudes, and the dudes are getting kind of booed. Yeah. Uh, it's, that's Philadelphia, man. Uh, I said, at this point, at this point in the night, just keep that, keep those keywords in mind. This is the best match of the night so far. Wow, I have the exact same note. Oh. I mean, I like it was this a low match. bar. I, people are going to hear that. Yeah. I mean, what? I, I like this match. I'm sorry, I did. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was one of the better Freebird matches from this era, I would say. Uh, but Michael Hayes pulls. You know, also, John... real quick, you know, got it. Uh, much as we make fun of them, Shane Douglas and and uh, uh, Laurinaitis, they're not necessarily bad. <laughs> I hated the whole dynamic no. news thing, but man, they were they were good. Yeah, well, Jay well, was good. Johnny Ace was, was okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, he was just okay. The word was he stuck around all Japan as long as he did because Mrs. Baba thought he was adorable. So, <laughs> and they was... didn't want to piss off, uh, you know, the Laurinaitis that mattered. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, <laughs> he was like a Lanny Poffo hire. <laughs> <laughs> but the end of the match sees Michael Hayes pulling Johnny Ace's foot, this uh, saving Jimmy Garvin from. They called they called their move the dudes called their finisher the wipeout. It was a like a double suplex. Of course they double, did. Yeah, it was a double back suplex, but it was like a slingshot. So they like pick him up, bounce his legs off the ropes, and then hit the suplex. Well, they bounce his, uh, Jimmy Jam Garvin's legs off the ropes, and in midair, uh, Ace gets his legs sweep swept whatever by uh, Michael Hayes. This allows Garvin to spin around on top of uh, Shane and pin him. Uncle Dave said that Philly was bizarro world for this one. Of course, booing yeah. every, booing everything the dudes did until they'd think they were Roman Reigns or something, giving them no chance to get over. Uh, I, I resent that comment because Roman Reigns could actually go. I'm joking. We just talked about the dudes were good, but or they were acceptable. Uncle Dave and I both gave this two and a half stars. What say you? I, I uh, yeah, I said two and I was, I was like I was borderline two and three. It was like yeah. Why not? It was the best match of the night so far. I'll say three. I, I yeah. yeah, it wasn't. It was not bad. Uh, I, I I didn't hate it. Most Freebird matches around this era, I'm like, oh god, skip. But this one was yeah. actually pretty decent. So yeah, totally. I didn't. I didn't hate it. 
And I, I, I just I was shocked at how much I actually liked it because on paper this looked like a cluster. Yeah, I saw Dynamic Dudes versus the Freebirds. Okay, break my own neck. Sign me up, he said sarcastically. <laughs> <laughs> Need more of that. <laughs> Can we go to the back yet again? Gordon Sully is too much in the bag at this point, so they get Chris Cruz to interview the Steiner brothers. I'm sorry. I'm going to hell for that I, I, I'm not touching that. So. I'm joking. Gordon would be back later in the night. Now, the Steiner brothers are clearly dressed up like clowns for Halloween with those jackets. Wow. Nothing? Uh, gonna, I, uh, gonna leave that one I'm, alone. Huh? I'm more on the promo part of this. I'm like, oh, good lord. Well... For those that don't get the joke, they're wearing Michigan Letterman jackets. So that's yeah. why I said they're dressed like clowns. Yeah, uh, I know you do. I'm talking about our <laughs> listeners. I uh, I was like, do I mention that when reviewing this? Because there's something else. Like, man, that promo from Rick Steiner. I don't know what the hell was going on there. And yeah, oh, piggyback on all the stuff you've been saying. Did he get into Sully Schnapps or what? What the hell happened? Uh, <laughs> oh my god! We're gonna, I'm gonna do something to the What? <laughs> Yeah, he look. He's just like, he's like, what's going on? Where are we? What's going? Who am I? I pooped. Like, <laughs> it was stupid. Like, oh man. Uh, Chris Cruz asks the Steiners how they plan to fight a team that they've never seen before with Doom. Scott actually cuts it. I mean, it's not a good promo, but it's an acceptable promo, especially for this time. And he looks serious, whereas Rick is like, bah, 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 like he rides a short bus. I, good God. <laughs> what? His views and opinions are not necessarily shared by us on this show, folks. Yeah, well, he's wearing headgear too. So That's right. to be fair. Yes, but it goes with the short bus thing. <laughs> he's, I, guess I, I don't know. I they turned Rick 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 Flair. They turned Rick Steiner into a complete imbecile in the year 1989. Earlier this year, he was talking to a hand. He literally drew a hand, or drew a face on his hand and talked to it. You remember that? I do. And now he's. I don't remember. I remember, I remember like seeing it like on here. Like, See what? I don't remember it in person, but yeah, I definitely. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we reviewed it, but yeah. So I'm almost certain, by the way, as a kid, I probably would have ate that up and loved it. Uh, just saying. He's talking with hand. Look at it. Like, is it really a stretch from Al Snow? What's, what Al Snow's about to do in a couple of years, though? That one you could excuse for. Well, he's talking to a mannequin head. He's nuts. Like you know, he's like whatever. This like. He drew a face on his hand <laughs> like he's Cartman. Like there was an episode of South Park where Cartman draws a face on his hand and puts like a fake wig on it. And he calls it Jennifer Lopez. I love my taco flavor kisses. And he like has, and his hand has an affair with Ben Affleck. Like that's all I can think of with this crap. <laughs> he, I got so he, TV to watch today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you have HBO Max, so go check it out. <laughs> but yeah, this this whole thing was just garbage. But we go to the actual match, which was oh, not God, garbage. This... Well, I don't know. You might think it was garbage. <laughs> this one is the Steiner brothers, Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner versus Doom, who is Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. But we don't know that yet. And they have a woman with them. And the thing is, woman, Nancy Sullivan, whatever you want to call her, uh, she like she's supposed to be a seductress and she's been with uh i don't know she she's been messing with rick steiner i guess that's been his thing another one why he's going nuts yeah another one of it yeah he's he's blue balling it (laughs) i'm gonna get out there and i'm gonna do things uh but anyway (laughs) 
don't know. I still can't get over that promo. Take that woman. It's like he was like a couple words away from going Sammy Guevara on her. <laughs> what the, oh my gosh, that's effed up. Anyway, it sounded like you know, did it not? It yeah, sounded a little like he bit. To do like weird things to her. Well, he's the dog face gremlin. He probably did. Both the or both teams have generic WWE production themes dubbed in. Like they didn't even try with the Steiners with this one. Like they didn't edit in Steiner line. They didn't put in the Michigan fight song. Nothing. Would you prefer that? I don't know. They just had a generic theme. I will I say, I think fight song. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I I will say, I think the Doom, like the theme they used for Doom, kind of fit them. But I, I thought they looked. They, I thought they should have edited in the Nation of Domination. <laughs> My gosh, but Doom looked freaking sweet. I thought like they just two giant black guys in masks and 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 uh, capes coming down, like looking intimidating as hell. Uh, even if this wasn't great, I said this had a big fight feel to it, at least from my perspective. I thought, wow, they're building this up like this match is like something, you know? Yeah. Both. I mean, I think it was too because I think like they were the what they were building up as the top two teams. I think. Well, they were building Steiners up as like a top team, but like Doom had never. I, I think maybe they'd had a match or two, but that was maybe. I don't know. I don't even think. I think this is Doom's debut on pay per view, so yeah, I don't yeah. think they had like a match. Or if right. they did, not on pay-per-view. But yeah. Well, both teams beat the absolute tar out of each other. In the end, when the referee wasn't looking, woman slipped something into Butch Reed. I think it was Butch Reed's mask. And he headbutted Rick Steiner with it to get the pinfall win. Yeah. Uncle Dave said the match went too long and had too many rest holds for something that was supposed to be a heated grudge match. He gave it two and one four star. I gave it two and a half. What say you? I gave it two. I thought it was a nice brawl. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. I just, it didn't really, something didn't clinch for me. It just felt, it felt like it went flat. Yeah. But not was... flat enough to be like, oh God, this is horrible. Well, no. If, if yeah. that makes sense. No, I, I, I totally get it. And this match was, uh, it was fine. That that was an old trick of the, the loaded mask. So, yeah, I don't know. I thought, it was, I thought that was clever. It was. I've seen it done like once or twice in the past, but like, it's nothing that's been done in today's times like you have to go back to like the olden days you know for that kind of stuff but yeah right i said the uh fact of this match the early doom gimmick was trash but in less than two years ron simmons would make history and be like the first black world champion yeah and in 11 years scott steiner would win a world title so it's kind of stark contrast right and well and butch reed would invent netflix so i mean yeah. everybody's doing well and then Steiner Steiner. Is on pta or something like that right and <laughs> yeah, he's he's selling houses down in Florida or something. <laughs> and Gordon Sully is in the back with Lex Luger. We get some sass from Sully as he asks Luger, how many Gee, times I wonder you... why. <laughs> he says, how many times have you been champion? Luger says that he'll be champion as long as he wants. And he walks away. And then Sully brings a mic back and says, he's been champion more than once, which means he can be beat. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, you little smart ass. <laughs> oh, man. This, uh, I hear more. just a huge fan of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, Flying Brian, <laughs> maybe I don't know. This was I don't know. It was it was funny to see uh, Sully actually give some like back talk to somebody, and like Luger completely like blew him off, like whatever. But we get Lex Luger defending the United States Championship against Flying Brian. This match went 16 minutes 49 seconds. Flying Brian comes out with an entire cheering squad. Lex Luger selling is horrible. I said it. It didn't completely take me out of the match, but. Like when somebody is not selling, and to me, I'm like, ah, gosh, 
like this was a decent match, but like, do you know the spot I'm talking about where he had like a he had like arm locks in on Luger? Luger's not even paying attention to Brian. All he's doing is shouting at fans in the front row. Yeah, yeah. He he's like, you shut up. No, I, I feel said, like he was. I feel like he was buying time for something. Like someone was like legit hurt. Yeah, and uh, like uh, Brian had this look on his face, like I don't know what to do. Like if I was Brian, I would have been kind of offended at this point. Like, dude, I I'm literally twisting your arm. You're not even making a face. Like it's not even registering in your in your actions whatsoever that I'm doing anything to you. But either way, I I know I just said that the match wasn't bad. Uh, Luger wins the match with a pinfall after hitting a hot shot. Uncle Dave said that the crowd loved both guys, although it was weird because they piped in a taped Luger Luger chant at the entrance, which did, I did notice that. Did you did you catch that? I I, I heard. It. I just I didn't know it was piped in. I mean, does he have? Full proof that was piped in because well like i said i think he was there in the audience so i but at, i don't know it sounded but does that really mean that it didn't yeah. happen he's yeah. always been a critic against luger so he also right. said the same thing about goldberg and you can go back and watch stuff and you can clearly see them chanting goldberg when he just adamant that they piped it in so in there in, in the defense about the goldberg thing bischoff did admit later on they did pipe in some yeah goldberg but he talked chance, about it when he won the title at the georgia dome and you can right. see them going crazy I'm like okay dude you're full of crap yeah, no, at that least one. On, at least yeah. on that one. Um, but. Correct. Yeah, that one. Say, say that again. Sorry. Clearly, like, well, that, uh, well, the thing is, he. I'm uh, supposed to say you are correct. No, no. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you are correct. Um, but <laughs> this, uh, I don't know. It sounded a little unnatural, but again, that could just be bullcrap. I don't know. But they also went. I big really have to go back and look at it now because you know. But well, he said this was weird because they had the Luger Luger chant going on during his entrance. They also, and I didn't catch this, but he said they had a big flashing sign behind the camera prompting the crowd to cheer for him, even though he was supposed to be a heel. That part, I don't know if I buy that. Like, for God's sake. But Dave said that this was set up to be a four-star match, but didn't quite get there. He gave it three and one four stars. I gave it an even three. What say you? I gave it two. I just, again, yeah. I, I felt like it was not bad. Mm-hmm. But like, there's like not enough there to get me excited. Right. Yeah. It was, it was pretty good. I thought. Fun fact <laughs> about this match: Brian Pillman opened the first Nitro, and Luger was in the closing segment of the first Nitro. And this is 1989. Wow. I didn't so think like about that. Six years later, they would both be on Nitro. It's crazy. Like, it shows you their tenure there too. Although Luger did was in the WWE after this for a bit, but yeah, still, historic. That actually, matter of fact, now that I think about it, Luger would come back to WCW, and Pillman would leave to WWE. I have Jack's figures of these guys, by the way. Of course you do. <laughs> uh, but we go backstage with Chris Cruz now. He's with the Road Warriors and Paul Ellering. You can barely see Ellering because he's hiding in the shadows. When Hawk says that they've been underdogs their whole lives, I couldn't help but laugh. <sighs> like, did he mean underdogs in life or underdogs in fights? Because I could buy the underdogs in life because supposedly he came from a bad area, blah, blah, blah. But for God's sake, uh, I would probably bet the farm on them in a fight. So, yeah, I don't buy that. Yeah, right. Uh, but either way, they claim that they're the best tag team in wrestling history. I mean, in 1989, maybe not, but I don't know. That's some antics. And they're going to tear down the skyscrapers. Of course, they have to make a lot of building puns. So, But up next, we got the skyscrapers of Dan Spivey and Sid Vicious with Teddy Long in their corner. They take on the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, with Paul Ellering in their corner. This match went just over 11 and a half minutes. This was the match where I said that if Jim Ross threw out one more damn college football reference at me, I was going to puke. Every effing match. Well, so-and-so played linebacker for the Who Gives a Crap University 
butt screwers. I don't know. Like, what like, the hell? <laughs> it's like, I don't care, Jim. Once we, in a while is okay. Yeah. We got to give him the Ron Simmons one because he's a legit legend for the Seminoles. So that one I'll give him. He didn't uh, even do that. For I know. The, but so, I just like, that's the only one I would accept. Though. I was like, okay, because he is like a god for the Florida Seminoles to this day. I so, think the Dr. Death I, one. Oh, the doctor doesn't want to just him sucking off Oklahoma, though. <laughs> Gosh. And I, oh, I, I will Oops, even so- give him Brian Pillman because he played in the pros. Sure, if you want to but- call the Bengals a pro team. <laughs> wow. He also played for the Calgary Stampeders. Hey, you loved that one. Shut the hell up. Yeah, I did. But he also played for the Calgary Stampeders and the C- uh, CLF or CFL. Yeah, CFL. But, but other than that, like, every single person, he made a damn football reference to, like, that's why when he came to oh, the WWF, oh, I mean, I'm not defending him, but let's be fair. This is right in the heart of the beginning of the of uh, football, uh, college football season. So October. I know, but still, like, and that was something. Apparently, when he came to the WWF, Bruce Pritchard claims that like people like the Undertaker came up and was like, I "Swear to God, if he makes a reference to my college basketball career, I'm going to stab him." Because <laughs> he's like, "I'm not Mark Calloway. I'm the Undertaker." And he's like, "I get it. We'll tell him." But in the end, Animal hits a power slam on Sid. Teddy Long takes out Paul Ellering with a giant metal key and then throws it to Spivey, who takes out Hawk with it. The referee calls for the DQ. This was good, I said, but it dragged out a bit, and the ending was blah. Uncle Dave said that the crowd was really into this, and it was better than it sounds on paper. I'll give him that. It was better than it sounded on paper. But I gave it, both of us, me and Uncle Dave, gave it two and a half stars. What say you? I, I love the Road Warriors. You know that. They're like my all-time favorite team. Yeah. But this match to me was trash. It was I a big I, old balls, man. I know it's four was four big dudes beating the crap out of each other. It feels like all four were trying to one up each other with their hits. Yeah. Um, and because that's at one star, I just it was boring. I just was like, oh my god, I want to turn off. One note I want to make by the way, because we we're talking about the music being dubbed in. They dub in Sid's WCW dub in theme. Really? The skys- yeah, that's the entrance they use for the Millennium Mad Sid Vicious. Oh, sounds um, pretty cool. No, it's it's really good. It's just like it's funny that they're dubbing over a dub with a dub. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, uh, yeah. So uh, one fun fact about this, though, all six men, including the managers, would be in the WWE in the next few years. That's crazy to think about. Wow. Yeah. Right. I, I, I just I, I can say that for many matches, but like this one, I found it interesting that every one of them, all six of them, including the managers, would be in WWE in the next few years. Yeah, right? That's nuts. No, that's pretty cool. But after the match, Hawk steals a giant key from the skyscrapers while they were beating up on Animal, and he chases him off along with Teddy Long. Do you know what the hell that key was? I don't. Yeah, I didn't care enough to look it up. Uh, I was going to say it's like a key to a building. A building's a skyscraper. I don't know. I'm just digging now. But (laughs) The key to victory. But we get... uh, Chris Cruz up next backstage, interviewing Ric Flair, Sting, and Ole Anderson. Sting's face paint looks like a stained glass church window. They hit work. Yeah, I, from- I was getting uh, uh, the first Seth Rollins Messiah shirt vibes from it. <laughs> Gosh, right? But they uh, get some words from Ole Anderson first, who does a regular presentable job. Ric Flair does a great short promo, swearing to end Terry Funk in the NWA. Sting just gets me fired up and excited for the match. Nothing. Uh, you know, of note to write down here. I just thought, I just found it weird that these two are kind of promo together and they're like bitter rivals historically. Right. I mean, I get it. I get why. I mean, you know, if you know the backstory to it, but it's just funny. Yeah. Like, this was, this is where I said they give Bruno San Martino a big introduction before this match and the crowd blows, obviously. Because the referee should always get a huge introduction. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I said, 
I'm sure this is exactly the type of wrestling that Bruno remembers from his days in the ring. Electrified steel cages. Yeah, right. <laughs> this <laughs> is exactly the kind of wrestling... <laughs> this is exactly the kind of wrestling that I remember from my days back in the ring. Not that crap they put on over in the WWF. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Now, back to our program. Uh, you ready for the main event? I, I am. This, yeah. Okay, well, the main I event... The, quote, what I'm going to say, but yeah, I am. The main event is the Thunderdome Cage match. It's the Great Muda and Terry Funk with Gary Hart as their Terminator. They're taking on Ric Flair and Sting with Ole Anderson as their Terminator. The Terminator is... The, the only way to win is your quote terminator has a has to throw the towel in for you to surrender for you a special guest referee as we mentioned is bruno sammartino this went for 23 minutes 46 seconds this crowd legitimately hated terry funk that's the first note i made because they're throwing drinks at him trying to climb the fence before i forget i want to yeah hold on sorry not to cut you off because i got it mentioned before since we're on terry funk dude he looks amazing here i know shredded yeah he looked like he spent a lot of time hell that's not yeah. the Terry Funk I like. I remember like from like when I was watching him on the regular. Like, wow, dude, good yeah. lord! Physically, he looked great here. Yeah, I I noticed that as well. But yeah, they're like trying to jump the railing to fight him. They're throwing stuff at him. I'm like, man, Terry Funk in '89 had some freaking heat. Well, this is fresh off uh, him putting the bag over Flair's head and trying oh, to kill him. That so yeah. yeah. Apparently, Phil. Apparently, that doesn't stand in Philadelphia. No, but you but, can throw stonewalls at Santa, though. Hell yeah. Sting and Ric Flair get godlike reactions. I said the Thunderdome cage, I was going back and forth between saying it looked cool and looked goofy. Well, my note on that is, uh, so, so the deck, oh, first of all, sorry, I got to talk about one thing before we even go on, because I'm going to forget. Uh, the cage accidentally went on fire to start the match. Did you see, did you see oh, that? Oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've got something about that coming okay, up. Okay, I yeah. just, okay, since I already mentioned it, let's just talk about it. Um, okay. When I said, like, one of the coolest things on here had nothing to do with wrestling, I, like, geeked out watching his back, seeing Greg Muda <laughs> climb the cage and use his mist to spit out the fire. Yeah. That was so badass. Yeah, because they, they were oh, trying to man. put, I guess they <laughs> used pyro or maybe they did have some electricity or something. And they had, like, vines and leaves and crap all over this freaking cage. And in the corner, it was, like, damn near a bush. And it caught on fire, and they couldn't put it out. So Muda climbs the side of the cage and mists it, and the fire goes out. I'm like, holy, who would have thought that, of that? Right? That was so badass. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap. 
Yeah, it was great. I, I think it. I marked too much for that. If that's if possible, like, oh man, that was great. What well, no, on, on the oh, cage, real quick though, I just I get what they were going with, you know, with decorating it because Halloween, the theme and all that. Yeah. But to me, it just looked like it was not intentional, and it just looked like hell. It looked like somebody forgot to finish decorating it. <laughs> yeah, I know. This was, I don't know. It it was weird. They had like ropes and vines and bushes and leaves and gargoyles and what I don't know. It looked dumb. I mean, it kind of looked one cool. Kind of looked. Yeah, I know, right? I don't know. Does that make too much but, sense? A pumpkin? <laughs> I guess. My thing was. Were you confused about the electric cage as well? Because I'm like, when it when is it supposed to be turned on? What parts are supposed to be turned on? Yeah, I, I honestly forgot it was electric because it never turned on. So yeah, nobody got shocked. Or I'm sorry, no, I, I take that back. Muda touched one part and supposedly got shocked at one point. I don't know if that was legit or not. But Funk was literally hanging off of it to start the match. So I was not like, that he was hanging off of it. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? Is he drunk right now? Because he was like fumbling back and forth. And yeah. he was like, he was on it. He was, he was like on the cage and on the rope at the same time. And then he was on the ropes and then he was on the cage and then he was on them at the same time. And I'm like, what the hell am I watching right now? Yeah, it was really weird. And it, I mean, it was cool. It kind of, because they were like, well, he's nuts. What the, what's that nut doing? Yeah. And it's like, well, but yeah, like it never came into play and they're playing it up on commentary. Like, oh, you can feel the heat from the electricity. And then Sting shoves Muda's head through it and nothing happens. I'm yeah. like, mm, okay. Uh, but anyway, get uh, getting to the actual match here. This starts off as an actual tag match, but quickly breaks down when, into a tornado tag because they just didn't care anymore. My first note on there was, uh, do we really need tags in this? No, that's why I was like, this is stupid. But I was severe. This is where I put I was severely confused about the cage and the electricity. It just nothing, none of it made sense. They used hanging ropes to swing around and to tie each other up on and whatever. And they used a cage on each other at various points. And they try to use, like, all of the stuff to the best of their advantages. So, I mean, good for them. The match ends with Flair, when Flair locks Funk in a figure four while Sting keeps doing splashes off the top rope onto Funk. And uh, in the center of the ring. And then Muda goes to uh, hit Bruno, but Bruno punches him and he flops out of the ring. Then Ole Anderson punches Gary Hart and Gary accidentally throws the towel <laughs> towards Bruno. Bruno sees the towel and he calls for the bell. Uncle Good Dave job. said this was a crazy match with Funk stealing the show with his antics despite having a bad knee. Also, the cage was a really impressive visual, although Dave has heard that overall the match didn't come across as impressively on pay-per-view as it did live. Well, he heard wrong. He, by the way, gave it four freaking stars. I gave it three. What's the hue? Okay, I said the match itself sucked. So for that, I give it two. But, you know, the stuff with Funk was fun and the fact that who who all who was in it and it turned into a brawl is what it should be. So I, you know, I bumped it up to three. It was like, yeah, it was a fun watch. So he probably liked it more because he was physically there, which I mean, know, I've done the same uh, thing. That's yeah. That's a bias. You can't ignore. I'm going to be honest with it. But yeah. I did say that the, um, the ending was horrible. It was stupid. Yeah. Uh, so fun match for what it was. I get the decorations, but the cage, it just didn't look like it was done. Like there was production errors. And then, yeah, it was like Mike, the fact or, uh, about this match, I wrote a fact. I'm like, what do I really write is a fact of this match? Look who's in it. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, right. I could throw you a million facts, so I'm not even going to bother. Right, uh, yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a fun watch, though. I mean, it was it was fun. My yeah, thing, as a match, it sucked. As, like, a, an overall experience watching and having fun, it was fun. 
Yeah, I thought so, it was a fun match. It wasn't a five star Tokyo Dome classic, but it was. It was really well, good. That would be six stars. Well, that's true. Uh, I did say go back if you go back and watch the wrap up of this at the end of the match. I'm pretty sure they're playing War Pigs by Black Sabbath during. The I match thought I heard weekend. that. Yeah. Yeah. And and also by the way, they got away with playing Iron Man for the the Legion of Doom. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 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 I heard a little bit of Iron Man. I did. Well, it was I. It was the Iron Man dub that they use. I mean, the the remake that WWE themselves made, but they didn't dub over it. Right. Yeah. Like they do with like DDP's theme and and the Sid Vicious theme that he used. That was like a a remake of a Poison song, I believe. Um, but yeah. yeah, they didn't dub over it, which yeah. I thought was you know okay, cool because I like I liked theme. it. I think uh, unfortunately yep. they recycled it later for Vince Russo, but I liked it. It was good. Yeah, of all effing people, because when I well, think hey, of Doom, I, mean, I think Jim Russo or J- Vince Russo. But the, to be fair, I mean. Okay, you talk all you want about Russo, but he clearly had good taste in music. Yeah. Is that? <laughs> My final note for the show is that JR is clearly hoarse at the end of this show. Yeah. He said they ended up with... Uh, uh, my, my note for that, I heard him say to Coddle at the end, well, you know, the Road Warriors wanted to beat the Skyscrapers, but they'll take a notice qualification victory. I'm like, you just said they didn't beat them, but they had a notice qualification victory. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Really, yeah, he was, yeah, he was out of it. Yeah, right. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at main event underscore marks and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Now, back to our program. That brings us to the final ratings of the show, man. IMDb gave this 7 uh, seven out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 6.42 out of 10. They're usually pretty brutal with their ratings. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10 because I had fun. What say you? I think I might be right there with you. I said C+. Yeah. So all in all, it was a really good show. Well, I, I, I can't say it was a really good show. No, I would say it was a good show. Really yeah, good. It was a good show. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very fun. I thought I, I had fun watching most of this. So there's that. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, if you guys watch it and don't want to start with the opening match, I understand. Yeah, or the first two matches, even. And skip the wildfire match. That's just crap. I don't think you have to. I think it's only like a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah, about eight minutes or something like that. Still, eight minutes you'll never get back. But all right, man, that wraps up that show. Uh, next week on October 14th, we're going to the WWF in the year 1996. It's WWF in your house, buried alive. Excited for that one. You might be, uh, people might, if they haven't watched it before, you might be shocked at how good of a show this is, I I think. Yeah, I've never seen it before, so I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm actually liking the year 1996 the more I watch of it, so I'm excited to see this for sure. 
And I, uh, I, yeah, I like I to dub this the Shawn great. Michaels NWO year. That's yeah. About, so. And this was right in the thick of Undertaker Mankind. So, yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, October 21st, we are back to WCW for another Halloween Havoc. It is Halloween Havoc 1993. This one is headlined by Cactus Jack and Big Van Vader. I am legitimately excited for that. Like, that should be a really good... I don't know if it's top to bottom really great, but I think it's Ric Flair and Rick Rude for the championship, so... Uh, if I remember that match correctly, I think it was really good. Yeah, so very much looking forward to it. Thanks for joining me here today, Greg. Mm-hmm. We'll see you all next week, later on. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. If you're looking for your next new truck, trust Rush Truck Centers, the nation's largest commercial vehicle dealer network. Rush Truck Centers has trucks in stock throughout the country, including heavy, medium, and light-duty work vehicles. Plus, they offer a wide range of programs that help coordinate, monitor, and expedite vehicle service and repairs throughout their qualified service facilities. Check out their online inventory today at RushTruckCenters.com. That's RushTruckCenters.com. Expect more from Rush Truck Centers. Please speak to your Rush Truck Centers representative for further details.